Bonk Realty Show, where we are going to talk to a lot of prominent leaders from the real estate market. And today we have the two co-founders from the House Monk. Uh, hi Ajay, hi Bala. It's so, great to be here. So why don't you guys uh, give a small introduction about the firm? So the House Monk has been in the property space for about five years. We started off in the brokerage space, uh, moved on to the rental property management space, and now we're part of the uh, property management space or the real estate management space in co-living, co-working, uh, rental management and uh, building management as well. Great, great. So Ajay, you have been in the real estate industry from past six years now and uh, uh, the prop tech industry as well. Now, co I mean, the house mount is a tech enabler for the co-living industry right now. So what are your thoughts about the scene? Uh, well, Chetan, it's a very exciting time to be in the co-living industry and we've been seeing its evolution right from day zero. Uh, one point to make here right off the bat is that co-living is not a new industry as such. Uh, people have always been sharing flats with their friends and uh, in India, you know, the concept of paying guests has always been huge, you know, where maybe it's kind of like a mom and pop setup where, you know, they give housing for maybe 50 to 100 people uh, within the same building. So co-living is not really new, but what we're seeing is formalizing an industry which has been, you know, super unorganized and super fragmented. Uh, so that's, you know, essentially what we're noticing. The earliest signs of co-living started, I think, maybe around 2011-2012 when we noticed that a lot of companies in China started coming in and setting up shop. The movement caught steam in India very quickly after that. And ever since then, we've been seeing a lot of you know other players in Europe, in US, in Southeast Asia and so many other parts of the world. So it's been very exciting. The industry has been growing very, very quickly. Great, great. So. Now there are different geographies and then there are different businesses in different geographies. So what are your thoughts about the Asian market, Bala? Yeah, so uh, Chetan, in the Southeast Asian market, uh, India and many of the other countries in Southeast Asia are very similar in the way they operate. A lot of uh, mixed use asset cases have uh, come up in the market as well and built to suit properties have come up. The thing about the Southeast Asian market is that it's sort of uh, when it comes to the price per bed, India is at about $150 and you would expect the same in say probably Vietnam, Philippines and Indonesia. But the overall Southeast Asian market is slightly skewed up, up, up you know, excluding India to about $900 because of Singapore and Hong Kong. Another thing about the Southeast Asian market that you will find interesting is that uh, co-living is not just about long-term stays. Uh, it, there is a mixed use case where uh, there are short-term stays, there are travelers who stay in this place. And it's very interesting to note that uh, about 20 to 25 percent of the occupants are not from the specific region itself. Um, the another interesting thing about the co-living space uh, in the Asian market is that India uh, is at about uh, 250 million dollars in value right now when it comes to co-living, uh, and the rest of Southeast Asia is at about uh, uh, 50 million or so. And uh, we see that growing, and that's very interesting for us to follow. Those are great numbers, actually. I mean. Uh at such a large scale, since even the rent is very low in India, the revenue is pretty high. So uh, Ajay, why don't you tell us about the European and the US market? Sure, sure. Um, I think Western parts of the world, the markets culturally are very different from India. So you know, one very easy trend that we can call out is that in Asia, like sharing a room is not that big a deal. Most co-livings, you know, have like shared room concept. But that's really not the case in Europe or in the US where people want their own space, you know, so people want their own room. Now, as a consequence of that and the fact that the economies are, you know, so different, the average rent 
per room or the average rent you know the average tenant pays in us or europe is touching somewhere between 1500 to 2000 dollars which is almost 10 times you know what the average indian is paying you know in, in a co-living setup now as a consequence of this even though india has close to about 150000 people staying in co-livings the market size of india as bala said is somewhere touching about 270 280 million us dollars a year the market sizes of europe and us where there's only about 10 to 15000 people staying in co-livings today but the market sizes are very comparable so it's about 220 million usd in uh, us and it's a very similar number in europe as well so as i said you know so even though the markets are very different from a financial perspective and from a market size perspective us and europe are not that far behind india okay so uh, while being in these markets what while studying these markets what are your insights you have gathered bala why don't you give some insights about the asian market Currently, there are about 300 operators in the market, uh, which is actually very heartening to see, seeing that there were only about 150 a couple of years ago. There's about $3.7 billion that has gone into the coaling space, which is again very encouraging. And uh, although most of it is, you know, uh, more than 50% is in China, it's very encouraging to see that the other markets are also getting funded in a similar fashion, uh, like China, especially, you know, the India, Southeast Asia, US, and Europe markets. Um, there is a growth in the number of people and the number of operators as we speak and we are looking forward to see more in the coming year. Yeah, actually what's very interesting to see is that there is close to about 3 million people who are staying in co-living facilities across the world. Um, obviously skew is towards China but 3 million is a big number, right? So yeah. like 3 years ago like when the co-living industry was just you know starting out or gaining steam, we did not think it would reach 3 million so quickly. So we are super excited you know by, by seeing that. Even in terms of full market value at a global scale. Uh, I think it's touching about 7.5 billion US dollars is the global co-living market in 2019, which is once again, no joke, it's a, it's a huge market. Um, a lot of you know, industry estimates are you know, pegging the market to grow to about 50 billion within the next you know, four to five years. Uh, we'll have to see you know, whether it grows that quickly, but all the signs are pointing in the right direction. So I think we can definitely expect the market to grow into that pretty quickly. That's great. That's, yeah. I mean, 7 billion, 7.5 billion, that, that's a huge number. It's a lot of money. So yeah. this is not an industry people can ignore anymore. Yeah. yeah. Of course, uh, as the industry grows, there are few challenges which people face as well. Yeah. Okay. So now I just heard that the Hotmonk has come out with the global uh, co-living report. Why don't you guys tell me something about that? Sure. Uh, so the reason why we came out with the report was that you know we obviously work with co-living operators you know from all the way from the us and you know all the way on the other side to australia and you know we pretty much covered most regions in between co-living is evolving so differently in different parts of the world and operators in the us they have their own sets of challenges and they have their own solutions for that whereas you know operators in india they have their own challenges and you know they have their own solutions for that so what we noticed is that industry is so different so dynamic growing so quickly everywhere that we wanted to consolidate most of these insights onto one common report. Uh, another thing that we noticed before we came out with our co-living report was that a lot of the other studies into co-living were super country specific uh, or at max, you know, they were specific onto a continent, but nothing was, you know, really done at a global level. So we wanted to bring global data onto a single report, which was our second key aim and ambition when we started doing this report. Uh, the third big reason was that a lot of other reports and a lot of, you know, media attention has been going purely into operators, you know, who are the operators, how much money are they raising, how many bets do they have in their portfolio. And while we agree that operators are definitely the heroes of this ecosystem, uh, there's an entire 
you know world of new businesses you know which are getting built around the co-living you know co-living industry so there are so many enablers who are coming up around co-living there are the investors there are the landlords there are the real estate developers there are the technology companies which are coming around so we wanted to do more justice to the entire co-living ecosystem and not just focus on the co-living operators and that was our third reason for coming out with this report basically something that we've noticed is that there's like ajay mentioned there's a bird's eye view on different markets that people have come out we wanted to come up with an insect eye view which is what we talk about is multiple aspects of co-living through multiple geographies right so uh, so the report is basically split into you know uh, high level insights of the overall co-living industry uh, the report is also the report also covers the sort of uh, funding that has gone into this the number of operators the price per bed uh, all of this across different regions we focused on the five uh, key regions that you know sort of uh, contribute to the co-living industry there are also enablers uh, in the co-living industry not from just a funding perspective but you know the allied industries like the tech industry the uh, interiors industry maybe uh, even you know the real estate asset class industry uh, and even builders and we and the next and the last i mean the last portion of the report even covers the challenges that the co-living operators face today and what we see uh, where we see the market going maybe in the next uh, couple of years oh that's great so of course so i mean since the market is growing the industry is growing but of course it will have couple of challenges as well so can you throw some light on that sure um see it's not all bright and rosy right yeah. obviously every industry is going to have its own fair share true, of true. challenges uh, so co-living is not really different uh, the biggest challenges that we can see around this industry is around government regulation right so right off the bat you can say that uh, hey is co-living going to be classified as a residential asset is it going to be a commercial asset are you going to count it under hospitality uh, now that's a big question that you know we do need to like you know get the answer to and accordingly what are the zoning regulations that are going to come around co-living you know can i start a co-living facility in the middle of a residential neighborhood or do i have to you know start it on the commercial parts of the city so that's a very important question that the industry is looking forward to hearing some answers from uh, a second thing that we are definitely looking at is around the applicability of gst and vat and you know any other local taxes that might be there um is gst going to be applicable on the rent or is it not going to be applicable on the rent that's paid on co-living you know co-living property so that's something that we do need to like you know figure out uh, rent control is a mechanism that a lot of local governments are enforcing in a lot of you know urban cities to make sure the cities remain affordable for you know all the people who are staying in these cities but co-living inherently makes the property a little more expensive uh, you know compared to you know just renting a normal apartment because there's so much value addition that happens over here mm-hmm. but if you're going to curb the amount of rent that can be collected from tenants in certain buildings or in certain locations that's one thing i'm going to make it very restrictive for you know co-living operators to run their businesses so there are challenges and there's a lot more challenges as well but having said that we don't need to keep in mind that co-living is is what like maybe 5 6 years old like in, yeah. in terms of how long it's been in the mainstream uh, you know attention so it is still a very relatively a uh, new and young industry so most of the challenges that i have spoken about uh, i think will get addressed over the next few years so now governments are taking note that co-living is huge and it's growing very very quickly so they have started having dialogues with industry bodies and with co-living operators so that you know they can look at you know bringing in some kind of regulation sooner rather than later so i'm sure you know most of these challenges will get addressed in the next few years that's great so bala as the industry is growing Where where do you see Housemong being like in the industry? Like where would Housemong stand in the co-living industry in the coming years? 
see, as the house monk, we want to be sort of the source of technology for all co-living operators, right? So we want to be a technology enabler for them. We want to help them in terms of uh, helping them manage their properties while their focus should be on sort of uh, building asset classes and managing them and sort of uh, increasing the value that they add to their uh, customers by sort of engaging with us to give a greater customer experience through technology, through apps, through, you know, managing systems, uh, which, you know, sort of help them to connect not only through to their community, but also to, you know, the people who run the show, uh, whether it's vendors, whether it's managers, whether it's community managers, or even the owners who sort of own the asset classes. Um, we've sort of uh, managed to do this in about uh, eight uh, plus countries right now, and we're planning to sort of... Uh, hit you know the 50 mark very soon and yeah, that's that's oh, where we that's are great so thank you thank you guys for uh, being on the show and uh, we do do please share a message with our viewers so uh, you know to chetan and the house Kong team so we're very very excited that something like this is happening uh, i think PropTech needs to be out there uh, you know a lot more so we're very happy to be on the show we're very happy to encourage uh, you know, more industry experts to come on on the show and make this a success. So thank, thank you so much for having us on the show. Thank you guys. Thank you, Chetan. Have a nice day guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.